Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Redestine tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A A podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First first listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Well, here we go again. Story that isn't true, that the media embraces that they run with, that they are so excited to have happen yesterday. It's the eve of the NFL season starting. After our show ends yesterday, I go to the gym, go work out, come back home, and Twitter and Facebook and everybody's buzzing about Michael Bennett, Seattle Seahawks defensive lineman, who claims all sorts of ridiculous racism on behalf of the Las Vegas Police Department. I'm going to read you parts of his statement that he put out that set the world ablaze. Everybody immediately believes everything that he says. Dear world, Michael Bennett writes, on Saturday, August 26, 2017, I was in Las Vegas to attend the Mayweather-McGregor fight on my day off. Everything that he writes after this has pretty much been disproven if you actually look at the evidence. After the fight, while heading back to my hotel, several hundred people heard what sounded like gunshots. I take that back. The second sentence, I'll believe that too. Like many people... Many of the people in the area, I ran away from the sound looking for safety. Las Vegas police officers singled me out and pointed their guns at me for doing nothing more than simply being a black man in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
This is just not true. Okay? This is not true, not supported by any of the evidence. But before the Las Vegas police put out their own evidence late in the afternoon, this statement from Michael Bennett became the lead story in all of sports. No one questioned it. I'm going to continue to read from it. Everyone accepted it as the gospel truth. And anyone who said, ah, you know what? Let's wait a minute. Now, one of the things that I learned early on, and I hit on this show all the time, is relying on any one person's story is not in any way advisable. Because one of the least reliable elements in life is eyewitness testimony. Over and over and over again, when one person tells a story, they are not telling anywhere near the full truth of what happened. Eyewitness testimony has been statistically proven again and again in criminal trials to be among the least reliable of all the evidence that can be presented. So one person telling a story very, very rarely is accurately reflected when an objective version of their story comes out. In other words, when there's a video or when there is 25 other people who watched it, if, if it's, it's amazing. When you're in law school, one of the things that you learn is, I remember we did a, uh, we, we, we would get to watch sometimes a jury debate inside of the jury room after you made an argument and hear what struck the jury. And off, one of the things that you would do is you would have something happen, right? You would set up an event, and then you would have an entire room full of people talk about what they saw that happened. And inevitably, if you have 25 people witness something, you will get 25 different stories of what actually took place, many of which are completely wrong when you go back and watch it. So I am always skeptical anytime somebody comes out with a story like this. Uh, This is continuing Michael Bennett's story. A police officer ordered me to get to the ground. As I laid on the ground, complying with his commands to not move, he placed his gun near my head, warned me that if I moved, he would blow my effing head off. Terrified and confused by what was taking place, a second officer came over and forcefully jammed his knee into my back, making it difficult for me to breathe. They then cinched the handcuffs on my wrist so tight that my fingers went numb. The officer's excessive use of force was unbearable. I felt helpless. My life flashed before my eyes. All I could think was, I'm going to die for no other reason than I am black and my skin color is somehow a threat. All this ridiculousness. I kept asking the officers, what did I do? Officers ignored my pleas. All of this stuff. And then he says, the system failed me. I can only imagine what Eric Garner, Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, and Charlena Lyles felt. Uh, We don't have equality in this country, no matter how much money you make, all this stuff. Michael Bennett is not telling the truth here. All of the evidence that has since come out since his statement has refuted his version of events. The Las Vegas Police Department came out and they said, Look, here's what happened. Watch this video. We had reports of gunshots inside of a nightclub. If you watch the video so far that the Las Vegas police have released, and by the way, there have been two different versions come out. 
maybe, according to Las Vegas police, as many as 120 different cameras that they will review and put all of this out. Michael Bennett's story is not true. Inside that casino, there were hundreds of people scrambling about in a chaotic situation, believing that gunshots had been fired. When you watch these videos, you see Las Vegas police of all races courageously responding to a report of shots fired, going into the casino with weapons drawn, working their way through that casino, looking to see whether or not there is anyone with a gun, anybody of a threatening nature there. As they swept that casino, one of the officers observed Michael Bennett hiding behind a uh, like a, a, a some sort of object in that casino floor. It's a strange thing. Just about everybody else is either either exiting the casino or they're literally laying on the ground, not moving to make sure that the police can see that they're not a threat. Michael Bennett is hiding, crouching behind one of those objects in a strange way. Look, I'm not an expert on what behavior is normal and what behavior is abnormal, but police officers are trained to recognize abnormal behavior. So he's hiding as they sweep through the event, sweep through the floor. As they secure the floor, suddenly Michael Bennett gets up and decides to start to sprint out of the casino. As he's sprinting out of the casino, unlike everybody else, he leaps a wall, he dives into the street, and a police officer gives him chase and says, stop, stop. He refuses to comply with orders until he's caught, and then they put him in handcuffs, detain him, and make sure that he's not a threat or the shooter, or someone who's trying to avoid detection for having committed a crime there. They detain him for 10 minutes, make sure that he is not a threat, uncuff him, tell him why they detained him, allow him to go, and he says he understands everything according to the Las Vegas police. Then 10 days later, He puts out this statement the day before the NFL season starts as he's in the process of writing a book while he's taking a knee to protest the national anthem the day after ESPN.com runs a front-page story about what a noble human being he is. I'm telling you right now, his story doesn't check out. And I'm probably the only person in the sports media who you are going to hear be willing to point out all of the inaccuracies in his story that have developed within a few hours of that story ever starting. You know why? Because most people in the sports media don't ask questions. They don't look at anything. They accept every story on face value. I'm not a guy who accepts stories on face value. I'm not a guy who immediately assumes any time a story comes out, oh, you know what, that's true. Look at what I've done with Zeke Elliott. Everybody else out there doesn't read the documents. They don't look at the actual evidence. 
they just make a decision. Oh, beating up women is bad. Oh, Zeke Elliott. This is indefensible, what he did. I look at the actual evidence in all these cases, and when you look at the Michael Bennett evidence, he was behaving in a suspicious manner in a highly dangerous, highly fraught, highly perilous situation. And the Las Vegas police, you can watch the videos yourself. They released them. I tweeted out these videos. The Las Vegas police did not behave in an inappropriate fashion. Moreover, he claims that he was treated and singled out because he's black. If you watch the video, every single person in that video is black. He didn't stand out based on his race at all. The reason why he was put in handcuffs was because he was behaving in a suspicious manner. They believed there had been shots fired, and he was hiding from the police on that ground-level casino, in their opinion. And then suddenly, as they're securing that area, he suddenly gets up and starts to sprint out into the street, jumping over walls in a aggressive fashion. In a way that, according to a Las Vegas police officer, aroused suspicion. When told to stop, he refused to stop. And they finally caught up with him and handcuffed him. If Michael Bennett had been a shooter and the Las Vegas police had caught him because of their police work here, Everybody would be lauding them for what good jobs they did managing to secure this location and capture someone who had committed a crime of violence. It's incredibly commonplace in situations such as these to detain people who are behaving in a suspicious manner. Yet Michael Bennett makes the world a worse place, something that he claims he's trying to avoid by completely asserting racism when there's no basis in fact to support the idea that this was racist at all. Again, the entire audience of people there, everybody's black. He didn't get singled out based on his race. Everybody there was the same race. Moreover, the Las Vegas police storming this casino where they believe shots have been fired are of all different races, of all different genders. This is a diverse police force running towards reports of gunshots trying to protect the citizens of Las Vegas. And for that, Michael Bennett makes up a story and makes them responsible for his behavior. Just when all else fails, just scream racism. Almost no one will ever actually look at the evidence and determine whether or not it's justified at all. 877-996-6369. Open phone lines. We'll discuss this case. I think it's important not to accept statements on face value. Actually aggressively look into them. That's what I do. That's what this show does. If you want people who are just going to give you surface-level analysis, there's plenty of other places you can go. Put simply, Michael Bennett is not telling the truth. His story is falling apart. And I'm probably the only person in sports media who's going to actually be willing to tell you that. 
Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Poll question discussing what was the number one story yesterday. Do you believe Michael Bennett or the Las Vegas police? Michael Bennett comes out, says he was treated poorly because of his race during the report of a shooting in the wake of the Mayweather-McGregor fight. Michael Bennett, Seattle Seahawks defensive lineman. Since then, uh, the Las Vegas police have contradicted many of the assertions he made in his statement, which everyone accepted mostly in the sports media as 100% true. Las Vegas police have shot down several of the details, proving that there are at least some falsehoods in Michael Bennett's statement. His own attorney has since come out, Michael Bennett's own attorney, and said that race was not a factor in the way that he was treated, which is the entire basis of his entire statement. When your own attorney does not back you up, it is not ideal, boys and girls. That means that your own attorney who has heard your entire statement, who has reviewed all the evidence, when your own attorney says that race was not a factor in your story and you released a statement that says entirely race was a factor, somebody ain't telling the truth. Uh, And our poll question is up. Do you believe Michael Bennett or the Las Vegas police? 75% of you believe the Las Vegas police. Um, So what questions, uh, who should we go to, Jason Martin? We got loaded lines, I believe. Who should we go to next? Uh, Gary in Memphis. Gary in Memphis. What's up, Gary? Mike Trav. Yes. Good morning. Morning. How are you? Doing good. Listen, I'm, I'm on my way to work in Memphis, your home state, and I'm pretty sure you know how violent this town seems. And, you know, I'm on my way to work. I listen to your show every morning to, to find out, laugh, listen, great points on sports, uh, to relax, get my mind set this job. Well, this morning, my blood pressure is up. Uh, I don't want to touch on the point my fellow officers have already brought up. You you are you are an officer. You are a police officer in Memphis. I just started my twenty fourth year. Okay, twenty fourth year. Yeah. One one year to go, and I'm trying to wind down. But my point is, your your crew member on the West Coast. Uh, I can't remember his name. Talked about the misunderstanding of why why did the police have to pull their gun? You know, he he said, well, he didn't have a gun. Well, I, I, countless scenarios of my twenty four year history on this job. We get a call. We have no idea if it's a fake call or if somebody with a gun or it could be a stolen car or suspect. When they run, I have no idea what's going on. I have, I want to see their hands. Sometimes we have indications that they're trying to hold their waistband up in front of them. We can't see the back. How many guys I have chased and tackled, and once I got the cuffs on them, pat them down, I found a pistol in their waist. So when you go into that situation, you've got to have the mindset, I'm going home to my kids every night. And until you fill these shoes, if the simple-minded people, like your crew member on the West Coast, no offense, but his mentality, what got my blood pressure up. So let me ask you this. You've been on the the force, and thanks for what you do down in Memphis, 24 years. Have you noticed – my big thing with guys like Michael Bennett is they claim that they're trying to make the world a better place. And he comes out and says he's profiled based on his race. His own attorney says it's not true. And it makes young minority kids in particular distrust the police even more and not be willing to listen to commands, not respect the authority of a police officer. Have you seen that in the streets of Memphis as you've been working as a police officer that – kids today that they have less respect and believe and obey officers less than when you started or is that something that's not true in your experience no absolutely 100 percent true it's, it's so 
great start. They throw it out. And, and in our modern history, let's go back to Michael Brown. Uh, every subject that we've talked about since Michael Brown, I use him as an example because I believe that was the explosion. If any one of these people that we've been talking about, Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, the guy in New York with the cigarette, and even up to Michael Bennett, if any one of these people had would have just done what the police officer asked them to do, and like like they fellow officer spoke of uh, previously on your show, we wouldn't even be talking about this right now. This, this wouldn't even be a subject in America. Just if listen to cops. These, do what cops say, and the stories did not accelerate in any way. Yes, sir. And it's like you raised your kids, I've raised my kids. And, it, and it's, you know, let me give you an example of, of, of what happens. Uh, let, let's say, for an example, when you play Travis, the pale white, let's say that we're, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a donut joke, but let's say we're, we're eating our donuts, and that's a myth, <laughs> by the way, not, not Yeah. But if, if we were hanging out or talking or just left a call, let's say a robbery goes out at a 7-Eleven. All right, the description is a pale white, 6'2", a blue plaid T-shirt on, khaki shorts, and flip-flops. Armed yep. robbery of a here's how we'll get the call. Armed robbery seven eleven, male white six two, blue plaid shirt, khaki shorts. Uh gun was pointed at the clerk, or shots were fired, uh money was taken, he left running northbound on Home Street. All right, we're gonna converge in that area. All right. Clay Travis could be walking out of his house to go get his newspaper or walking down the street for his morning walk wearing a six two, wearing a blue plaid t shirt, khaki shorts, and flip flops. Why do you think we're going to approach? I'm not going to get out and say, excuse me, sir, because I need to talk to you a minute. I'm going to come out with my gun drawn, and I'm going to give you command. Well, what you should do is put your hands up and say, yes, sir, yes, sir, and in your mind, like, what in the world is going on? But if you comply and we get the situation figured out, hey, we're going to let you go, explain the situation like, you know, the law figures officers probably explain to him what was going on, and then you're going to be on your way. I appreciate the call, and you're exactly right. I mean, I, I appreciate the call. Somewhere along the lines, listening to cops, and, and we're hearing from a lot of cops. We've got another one that I want to hear from here from all over the country. Like, if you're Michael Bennett, and you are ostensibly trying to make the world a better place, that's what he's claiming he's doing with his protest. You are coming out and blaming race for your treatment here when your own attorney doesn't support that argument. You're making things more difficult for people across the country. When you artificially interject race into this relationship between police and minorities and say police can't be trusted, they're lying, you create the powder keg that is these interactions. He's right. You know, like this is why I tell my kids, everybody should do this of all races. When a police officer gives you a command, you do it. It's an easy response. I'm an attorney. I understand that sometimes police officers tell you things that you don't think are appropriate. But you listen to them. Just do what they say. Like, I can't believe that I have to be the person saying this. Let's go to Steve in Idaho. Steve, what's up? Hey, Clay. How you doing this morning? I am doing well. Yeah, I was a police officer for about uh, 12 years up here in Idaho, and uh, I always worked in a place where I was by myself. At one point, my closest backup was 60-plus miles away. And um, 
police officers, you know, when you get a call of uh, shots fired, what do you expect us to do? Walk in and smile and say, hi, folks, how's it going? You know, you go in with your gun drawn. You're trying to protect people. Uh, I had a situation one time. I went, I was called down to a motel. I got down there. There were two black people. I stepped out. The first words out of their mouth were, what are you doing here? We know all about you racist Idaho cops. I'm thinking, yeah, right. My black roommates in college for a couple of years would really tell you about that. I used to live stay at his house all the time. And, and, and I, I just kind of got a, a theory. It's police officers get, they, they don't, they're not racist for the most part. They, they have problems with the people who give them the most problems. Up here in Idaho, in this part, we don't have a whole lot of blacks, but we got Native Americans. If you grow, if you're a cop on a Native uh, American area, you might be a little bit uh, careful, you know, about Native Americans. If you're an Asian area, maybe Asian, Hispanic, Hispanic. The places I had problems with were loggers, miners, or people when I lived close to Sun Valley because they're all arrogant and gave me problems. <laughs> I, I appreciate the call. Uh, lots of cops calling in. That's uh, Steve in Idaho. It is funny to th- I mean, like, when you get reports of shots fired, you go in with your guns drawn, and you see somebody behaving in a suspicious fashion like Michael Bennett, like, that's kind of what we expect a cop to do. And I love the fact that his own attorney has come out and said race was not a factor. So that basically invalidates his entire statement. He behaved in a suspicious manner. Cops chased him down verified that he wasn't a threat, and let him go and explained him why. That's a good example from uh, Gary in Memphis talking about if I were out walking on the street and they had an idea, an APB out, for what the, the suspect looked like, they're going to pull me over you know, and, and make sure I'm not the guy. And in this situation, we trust a cop to be trying to protect everybody, a guy who's hiding from the cops and then takes off at a full sprint, jumps a wall, is behaving in a suspicious manner. Maybe he just overreacted. Maybe Michael Bennett had had alcohol. Maybe he had been, uh, you know, maybe he wasn't in his right mind. It's Vegas. People do all sorts of crazy stuff. It's after the fight. It's a late night. And he's going to say that the reason why all this happened was because of racism? I think it's just crazy. And the fact that everybody just eats it up. Nobody called him on it. I'm probably the only person in sports media who you are going to hear just about today, actually rigorously examining this story and pointing out why it's not true. Zach in Kansas City. What's up, Zach? Hey, what's going on, Clay? Uh, you know, I, I don't agree with the, the idea that it was racially motivated, um, but as a white male, um, I, I work nights. Um, I was actually on the phone calling the Ben Maller Show, and I was arrested. Um, I, I've been, I've had to deal with police officers. Um, you got arrested while you were on the phone calling Fox Sports Radio. Yes, and Danny and Eddie can both testify to that. Um, that's it that's was a about first. a year ago. What did you get arrested well, for? Uh, I made a wrong turn. Um, it, it's a whole long story. Basically, there was not appropriate signage. Um, a frontage road was turned into an exit ramp. Literally that night, didn't know. Made a wrong turn. I was pulled over. Um, I told the officer that I had a firearm in my vehicle, and from that point, things escalated. But my point is that from my experience with police officers, most of them, and I mean a heavy most, 99%, are honest, 
hardworking people that are trying to do their job. But how can you discredit an overuse of force by saying that his entire story is – I mean, it is devalued when he what? says okay, hold on. about race. But what, I feel what, that what police is, need to be policed. Okay, that, but what is the over – hold on. What overuse of force happened here? Again, thanks I, for the call. I, no, no, thanks for the call. I mean, if a oh, police officer can call in who watched this video and says, yeah, this is a flagrant overuse of force. Again, these guys all – if you watch the video, these guys are reporting to a location for shots fired. They all have their weapons drawn. Every single police officer that you see in these videos as they're going through the casino has their weapons drawn because they are responding to a report of shots fired. So, i.e., there is someone with a weapon there who is a threat. And so they are all going in with their guns drawn. This is not like that Michael Bennett's just walking down the street on the Vegas Strip and there's no crimes around at all and suddenly he gets tackled and somebody pulls a gun out. Guns were already out because of the report of shots fired. So what I saw, and again, I'm not an expert on police procedure. I've worked in criminal law. But what I saw did not seem outside the bounds of reasonable behavior at all to me. James and Winston-Salem. James, what's up? Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm here to, well, just a little bit ago profiled and talked about how uh, the people he had problems with in the rich neighborhood who act all uppity, proving that they profiled. That's not profiling. Hold on. That's, that's not, not profiling. profiling. That's specifically – hold on. Stop. He said people in rich neighborhoods can act uppity around it. That's not profiling. Oh, that's not pro- – they can. Okay. So he's assuming before he gets in there. That's fine. No. Whatever. Do you understand you how the, the word can works? If I say my wife can have sex with me tonight, that means she might. It doesn't mean she's going oh. to. All right? <laughs> I'm not profiling. I wish. I okay. wish that I knew okay. every night she was going to have sex with me. When yeah. I say she might – Okay, that's that's fine. All right, so – as they're as cops forever, however many years, I'm a citizen, been a citizen for 30-something years. And I'm telling you, I haven't met many cops who are decent, honest, good. I, I've All right, hang up on him. Hang up on him. Listen, hang up on him. Listen. Hang up on him. I don't want to hear your story. When you say I haven't met any cops who are decent, honest people, you are saying to me, oh, they're profiling. You just came out and said an entire profession of people are not decent and honest. I don't have any interest in your opinion from this point forward. Period. If you call up and you say, hey, uh, I think that every police officer is a total ass. Well, I don't have any interest in your opinion. You've established that your opinion is not worthwhile. If you called up and you said, hey, uh, you know, I, uh, I've, in my experience, every single person who's in the Army is a total ass. Well, you know what? Not really interested in your opinion. Your opinion's not valid. Not worth hearing. You were wrong. You just you call in and complain about police profiling, and then proceed to say, in your experience, every police officer is an awful human being. The irony meter doesn't even go off in your head because you're too stupid, James and Winston Salem. Jose in Fremont, what's up, Jose? What's going on, bud? Hey, man, I'm gonna tell you thank you because you know what, man, you you keep it real, bro. I'm I'm calling a couple things, man. First of all, hanging in with me. First of all. For, for ignorance breeds ignorance. There's cops, yeah, that are ignorant. But for people to run from the cops and put them in a situation, that's also ignorance. And you know what? This, 
Bennett is creating an issue now where these kids are going to go mimic what he does and run and potentially get a kid killed, man. It's That's stupid. what I'm saying. And another thing, for you, for one of your one of your guys there in the studio to say that the L.A. Uh, Las Vegas Force has had cases of misconduct. You know what? That's nothing to do with this case, and that's ignorant as well because this is on video blatantly showing this cat running away from the cops, which is stupid and ignorant. Thanks for the call. Look, I mean, you could have lots of opinions here, right? But to me, the fact that Michael Bennett's opinion was taken as the gospel truth here and nobody pushed back on it for almost the entire day until the Las Vegas Police Department said, wait a minute, here's our video. Here he is crouching down in this casino. Here are our cops responding to a report of shots fired with their weapons drawn. Here he is crouching down trying to hide. Here he is taking off, behaving in a suspicious manner, jumping over a ledge, running full speed towards the, the street trying to get away, not responding to officers when they're staying, stop, stop, stop. And that somehow... Like he says all that happened because he's black and his own attorney now is saying, you know what, his race didn't have anything to do with this story, which makes total sense if you watch the video because everybody in the video is black. Like it would be the height of absurdity if these cops, who, by the way, represent a variety of different races and also genders, had shown up and they were just trying to go after a black guy. There literally were hundreds of black guys there they could have picked. They picked Michael Bennett because he was behaving in a suspicious manner. And they told him exactly why they did this. And then yet he still put out this statement. Michael Bennett to me is a fraud because he's claiming that he's trying to make the world a better place. And with this entire statement, he's making the world a more dangerous place. He's making it more difficult for police officers. He's making it more difficult for minorities. And I'm almost the only damn person who's out here pointing out what a fraud he is. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Kevin in Nashville. What's up, Kevin? Hey, buddy. How are you? Hey, good, man. Hey, I appreciate what you do. Hey, real quick. I was a cop for 30 years in L.A. I retired. I moved out here last year. Um, I'm listening to everything you say. I want to talk about Hurricane Bennett. You know, it... uh, it boggles my mind when that guy that you have uh, on your show is starting to talk about stats. And uh, $6 million since 2011 in payouts for excessive force is chump change. It's nothing. I've used every, I've used every, every type of force in 30 years that you, uh, you name it, I've used it. And uh, I've, I've been through Rodney King, the riots, everything else. And all, all you have to do is think about this political agenda by Bennett. He, 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 uh, he kneels during the during the anthems. He's part of that protest group. This is this is an agenda. He's making this a big deal out of nothing. I have zero respect for him. Zero respect for the organization. I'm completely losing respect for the NFL because of this. And they are not doing anything to help the problem. The cops are not the problem. The problem is is that there's an agenda here, and he's just uh, he's just making it worse. Thanks for the call. I agree with you. I think he is making things worse. If his stated goal is to make things better, then his statement where he's blaming race with his own attorney saying it's not race-based, he's a liar. And nobody else is calling him out on it. Let's go to Mac in Vancouver. Vancouver, Canada. What's up, Mac? Hey, what's going on, man? Living the dream, Mac. 
Hey, man, I'm just uh, listening to everybody on here, you know, talking, and it seems like the vast majority of people are saying that it's not the cops' fault. And I'm not even talking about this in particular situation with Bennett because I haven't seen the video. But I'm telling you right now, this uh, issue that's going on is very real. I've been a victim of it myself. And it ain't just always saying uh, do whatever the cops ask you to do. Hey, that's not always going to be the answer. Because if you haven't done anything, the guy was talking about coming outside, cutting grass, or, or walking his dog, and he fit the description and all this type of razzmatazz. Yeah, it's okay if they come and question you, and then you go on about your business. But when they come and question, they put the cuffs on you and take you to jail, that's a whole nother level right there. You well, know if you haven't I mean? done anything, you're, you're not going to be convicted of a crime. Huh? If you haven't done anything, you're probably not going to be convicted of a crime. Oh, that's not true, man. I'm going to tell you like this, man. I served two years in prison in Texas, bro, on some trumped-up charges. I'm in Uh Canada right now. Just for me to get into the country when I originally came, came, they denied me. Once I got up here, I got a lawyer. I went through the whole nine yards, and they found by their judgment that I was falsely incarcerated. So, so what, what did you go to jail for? If you haven't done nothing, nothing will happen. Come on, man. So maybe, what did you go to jail for? for you. Well, I'm asking you, what did you go to jail for? I went to jail for assault. Uh, for assault of who? For assault of another human being. Like a <laughs> man, a woman, like uh, like who? A man. I went to assault for another man, bro. With a with a weapon. The, the guy oh. actually. The guy actually hit me first. I responded. I did do it. I'm not saying I didn't, but because he is the one who went to the laws, okay, for whatever reason, I get in court, and that's why I'm telling you this from the inside out. When you go to court, as especially as a brother, you go into court, they're not going to say, hey, well, what's your side of the story? What really happened? That's not how the discussion plays from the inside. I mean, you, you know, get on I mean, a witness stand, right, and tell your side of the story to a jury? At the end of the day, did you have a jury? A lot of Huh? Did you have a jury? No, I didn't have a jury. Why didn't you have a jury trial? That's why I'm explaining it to you. Yeah, right. Why why didn't you have a jury trial? Because when you go into court, these lawyers, they're not asking you what happened, how did it go down. They're not asking you that. They look at the paperwork, and they come to you, and they say, well, um, Either you're going to sign probation or either you're going to take one year or if you go to court, guess what? You're going to get 15 years. And so they you, research you, you say, you, no, I didn't do you it. Pled to uh, a, you, you agreed to serve two years. No, I agreed to serve probation. And then you violated your probation and you went to jail. All right. So I agreed to break it down to you. I agreed to serve probation. They gave me the probation after we went to court numerous times, and they kept saying, if you don't sign this, then you're going to prison. So I eventually signed, and once I signed for probation, they sent me back to court. They violated. They gave me 10 violations. Out of that 10 violations, only one was true. And even when I went into court, the judge admitted it. The only thing that I was in violation of, I was 18 hours behind on community service. I yep. stood in front of the judge, and he said, okay, so you didn't do this, didn't do this, so you're pleading guilty to being 18 hours behind on community service. I said, yes, sir, I'm 18 hours behind on community service. 
He said, okay, two years, prison, bam, next case. That's exactly what happened. That stinks. You know what I think you should have done? The 18 hours of community service. Thanks for the call. Look, if you don't do what the court says, then judge has the right to invalidate your your probation. Like the guy says, I did it. I didn't do what I was supposed to. And then I got put in jail. Yeah, that's why jail exists. Look, I did criminal law. Nobody in jail ever did it. Everybody who's ever been in jail didn't do it. Every cop who's ever arrested anybody, guy didn't do it. I have yet to meet a single criminal defendant who said, you know what? Damn right, I did it. They caught me. And you know what? I did a bunch of other crap too, and they didn't even catch me for that because that's usually true, right? You don't get caught the first time typically you commit a crime. You get caught a low level percentage-wise of your overall crimes by and large. Everybody in prison didn't do it. Every single person. Yet to hear somebody say, you know what? I was in the wrong. I did it. They caught me. Nobody did it. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I had a bullet of stricter stuck to my face. Sam, you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. Yesterday, we brought the news about the tiger that was loose in Atlanta that had to be shot. And we were wondering where in the world did this tiger come from? And you did the research, Jason Martin, and now you know where this tiger came from? Indeed. Remember Journey, the dachshund, that survived yes. its attack with the Bengal tiger there uh, in, in uh, that area there, 20 miles south of Atlanta yesterday. Susie, a six-year-old Bengal tiger that once performed in the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey Circus, somehow got loose when a truck hauling 14 big cats stopped south of Atlanta on its way from Florida to our state here in Tennessee, actually, Clay. That's where this tiger was on the way what to. What was the tiger going to be done? What were what were these 14 tigers going in Tennessee? Susie was headed back to its European owner, an animal handler named Alexander Lacey, after the circus this year, of course, ended its 146-year run. That was a story, obviously, that uh, many people read about earlier. So they were actually giving it back uh, to its owner. And Payne said that these animals have been raised around people their entire lives, so they're comfortable, which explains why it was just jumping fences and all of that. But, of course... It had to be confronted when it started attacking pets and potentially threatened children at bus stops that were going to leave about an hour late. It became too aggressive. Georgia Department of Natural Resources said when it got that aggressive, there was just nothing else that they could do. Payne did say he didn't know how the tiger managed to get free midway through the trip. Didn't have many details of the encounter. The driver of the truck didn't realize one of the animals had gotten loose until the truck arrived in Tennessee. So this thing snuck out on him like while he was, I don't know, I, using the bathroom and grabbing a bottle of water I, at a gas station or something. I can't think that, well, first of all, it should be impossible to lose a tiger on the interstate. All right? So whoever this driver is, he should be fired. Secondly, I, it, this is like, of all the things that you could screw up, allowing a tiger to get loose when you're driving all the tigers there, and imagine... 
I would love to know the interaction when this guy shows up in Tennessee. With, he's supposed to have 14 Tigers. Yes. And they realize they only have 13. <laughs> like, that's got to be an uh-oh moment, right? Like, I don't know what, <laughs> don't know what that flight. feels like. But for a truck driver, that's probably about as low as you can feel when you're standing there and you're counting. And how many times do you think they counted? You know, like, it's like, oh, I was pretty confident. I think I only got 13. Well, let me count again. Uh-oh. Let me do it one at a time. That's not a good feeling. Were the Tigers just roaming free in the back of the truck? Were they all just hanging out? Were they not all in individual cages or something like that? I, I guess they were. Like, this this Tiger can't be that crafty. I mean, Susie might be really crafty, but I can't imagine crafty enough to escape Yeah, you know, like I was that. kind of figuring that they would just be walking around in the back of the, uh, in the, back of the truck, but that can't be true, right? They no, had to I all be, like, so. in, inside their own containers. Because otherwise they could fight, and like if you had to stop in a hurry, like all the tigers would just run into each other, you know, kind of like uh, like when you stop short in a car. So I, I just can't imagine that they're just walking around. So they had to be in the, this. This you got to fire the guy. If you lose a tiger, I'm sorry, you should lose your trucking license. Should be the rule. You have a violent, dangerous animal, and you somehow lose one of them. You should lose your trucking license. All right, what else we got? Well, we've got a couple of snake stories because, of course, we do. A great grand, yeah, a great grandmother in Thailand called for emergency help when a late night trip to the bathroom at about twelve thirty in the morning. Oh, it just led to a discovery of a thirteen foot python behind her toilet. She this told happens, rescuers. It seems to happen in Thailand all the time. That yeah, there stay are just out of snakes Thailand. Everywhere. Yeah, just stay out of Thailand. She and says, they always I'd, seem to be in the bathroom. Apparently, she said, "I just walked from the couch to the bathroom. Was still sleepy." I'd just woken up in the night. I feel lucky I saw the snake before sitting fully down or it could have grabbed my legs. I screamed for people in the house to wake up. They called for the rescue men to come. Emergency responders then contacted snake catchers. They carried the snake outside and contained it inside a bag. Officials then said, oh, yes, the snake would be released back into the wild a safe distance from homes. 13 feet. Why do we need that thing to be alive? We don't need snakes, period. What else? Uh, two pythons fighting it out in Australia. Two male pythons on the back deck of someone's house, battling for the attention of another female snake in the area. So again, guys doing stupid things for women. Even snakes are dumb when it comes to women. Can you imagine seeing two pythons on your back just going off on the patio? Like that might still be me moving. Like if I saw that happen. No, uh, I would be terrified. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A A podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.